Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm Deantha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. Okay, Deantha, today we have Therese Gopal Robinson. I know. She's just as awesome as her name because they're going to adore her. She is a fellow Texan. Mm-hmm. And so... Healthcare. She, yes. She worked a lot of her career in healthcare and then was laid off. So, yes. mm-hmm. And she says that's her new beginning. Yeah. Which is, which is a great that. way. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to look at it because those are just part of business, no matter mm-hmm. whether it's healthcare or what what you're doing and so she yeah she talks about that and i think it catapulted her toward what she's doing today her passion and that that's how people i know that with the economy the way it is we may face more of that going Mm -hmm. forward or not um but you know it's a good thing to know that sometimes when what seems like the worst thing that That can happen happens it can actually be the The best best pathway forward. So let's go to Therese. Okay. Good morning, Therese. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Great. I'm great. It's a a beautiful day in the DFW area, and I know you live uh, close to where I went to college. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you're... Yeah, if you're in Grand Prairie, I went to Dallas Baptist College, oh, which is well, okay. it's University you're really now. Close. You're really and close then, yeah. In the dark ages, but right on, right on Mountain <laughs> Creek Lake. If anybody yes. knows the DFW area that's listening this morning, so it is a really pretty area there it now. Is. It so, is beautiful. The weather is just uh, incredible right now, for sure. <laughs> Picture perfect for a hot second here. I know. Um, Enjoy it while it lasts. That's right. Before we get into the brutal heat of summer. So I'm so thankful you're on 50% with Marcel Combs this morning. And I I like to always start with letting the audience know a little bit about you, um, wherever you want to start. And tell us about your journey that kind of began from wherever you want to begin to where you are today. Yeah. So, you know, I always say, um, you know, I have a beginning and then I have a new beginning. And so, (laughs) so my beginning, you know, my beginning started when I was 10 years old and I I knew that I wanted to be in healthcare at that point because, you know, I'm aging myself, but it was the eighties. And, um, you know, there was this thing, there was this disease called AIDS. That was this new thing that I had heard about. And it was, you know, so scary and people died from it and, and all of these things. And my favorite uncle had it. And so going through that experience with him and seeing just the, the level of care that he received, um, you know, it, it was not something that he deserved. And so at that point, I knew that in some capacity, I needed to be in healthcare in some in some way. And so, you know, it started at 10. And then, um, you know, in my early 20s, 
I got my first opportunity. This, this woman hired me into a position that I was absolutely not qualified for in the medical staff office at a hospital. But she said, you know, I just saw something in you and I, and I saw potential and I saw this, this desire to do better and be better. And so I hired you. And that was really the starting point for my, you know, 20 years later career. Um, I've always been in healthcare in some way, uh, never on the clinical side, but always on the administrative side. And so I did that for a very long time. And, um, you know, Marcel, what I will say is throughout my journey, you know, I, with all the accolades that I received, the promotions, the pay raises, the degrees, the you know, all the things that you get, I always kind of struggled um, to really feel like I deserved any of it or that I really belonged there. I was always kind of waiting for someone to say, wait a minute, Therese, I, I don't think you belong here. Can you please pack your things and leave? And then essentially that um, in January of 2021, after being in a role for a few years and, and talking about things like promotions and the next step for my team and for myself, I finally gathered the courage to ask for a promotion. And on the day that I was asking for a promotion, I was actually fired. Ah. And, so, and so enter in my new beginning. <laughs> So, um, so that was really the beginning of the new beginning for me where, you know, I'd like to say that I had an epiphany when it happened. And I would like to say that, you know, as soon as I hung up the phone, I just started this new fantastic journey, but that's not the reality. The reality is that I spent a few weeks and lots of tears and, you know, lots of wine and, 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 you know, you, always, you, you, you know, the friends that you're supposed to call, right. When you want a logical response or you just want them to just blindly support you. Um, so I called all the friends that would blindly support me and, you know, completely just like trash the company and, you know, and, you know, all the things that you do. Right. Yeah. And then a while after that is when I just kind of, after it all settled down, I realized that I no longer wanted to work for someone else. And I also wanted to really only focus on the areas of my career that really brought me joy. And so that's what led to me starting my own business as a healthcare consultant, and that's what I do now. And so I work with healthcare organizations that um, need support with improvement and change management of their processes and their systems. But what essentially gave birth to that is the fact that, and I'm sure you might know this, right? And and anyone will probably tell you that anytime there's an issue with process or systems or revenue or employee turnover or any of those things, it goes back to leadership. Right. And so that really kind of gave birth to me also offering a component of leadership development. Um, and I, so I serve my clients in that capacity. It's either the tactical things or the leadership development things. And I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. That that is an important part. That that's one of my main mottos um, is to have a lot of fun along the way uh, on that journey. You know, yeah. I noticed um, that you graduated from the University of Phoenix when, mm -hmm. and I always think, and it's it's probably not the first online degree program, but you did that fairly early in the process. What made you decide to go online? Well, um, the, 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 the truth is, and I, I always try to be honest here, the truth is I tried college when I was supposed to right out of high school. <laughs> and um, I had way too much fun. 
And <laughs> I ended up with really poor grades. Um, I won't say that I flunked out, but I would say that I, they, they, you know, they thought that it wasn't the best place for me. And um, I left with a lot of debt and really nothing to show for it. And, you know, my, my kind of rude awakening was when I had my daughter. And I realized at that time that, you know, I was working in a hospital as a secretary, was enjoying it, but I knew that I wanted more. And, I knew that my education was going to be a big part of any of the things I was dreaming of. And quite honestly, with my debt and my grades, the way that they were, University of Phoenix was actually one of the only schools that would even give me a shot. And they, the experience for me was incredible. And the counselors were very hands-on and incredible with me and helped me make some really good decisions. And so that was the choice for me because I'd had this little one. I had no idea what I was doing as a mom. I knew I wanted to do and be more and I needed guidance. And so that just made the most sense for me. And it's, it's certainly not um, a decision I will ever regret. It was a great decision and it's, and getting that degree is what led to me going on to Florida international university and getting my master's. I started to say, and then you went and got your master's in public health. Why public health? So, because again, going back to the the driving force for me was, and, and it's it's basically with um, a concentration in epidemiology specific to um, HIV and AIDS healthcare. And so, I thought at that point that I wanted to be in some sort of social work, and so that is why I pursued that that specific degree. I, you know, I was very much involved in a lot of the um, organizations in Broward County at that time in South Florida. And my focus and my mentoring came from, you know, that aspect. And so that's why I went after that. I will say though, Marcel, that not very long after getting that degree, I, I quickly realized that in order to really make an impact, it came from being a decision maker. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so- Right. So not so much the boots on the ground, even though I have a tremendous amount of respect for the boots on the ground, I wanted to be able to really be a decision maker and actually impact some level of change. And so that's when I really started pursuing more of the administrative side of healthcare versus the social work or or the clinical side. And you did all that in Florida. I, I don't know if you know, I, I'm a nurse by background, haven't really, I've always I mean, I've spent my career mainly in some kind of administrative position. So I always say, if I'm your only choice in the room for a nurse, then I'll be better than nothing. But (laughs) the bar is low for that. But I come from a clinical background. So that's part of why I ask, you know, public health. And I did most of my career in home health and um, hospice. So... um, you know, it all kind of goes together. I think social work is probably the hardest job out there. Um, What we do in the foster systems, so much of that is just, I mean, it's, it's difficult all, all the way around. And in Florida, of course, 25% or so of the population is over 65. So we have a huge elderly population there. Yeah. There's just so much need and not enough resources right and so it's it's just this constant you know running on the treadmill not really getting anywhere feeling uh, i mean that's you know 
crazy, really. It's my daughter has her master's in social work and she did that for just a hot second uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And it's just overwhelmingly crazy because the answers aren't always simple. Um, and, And you're right, the resources are dismal. So let's go back to when you were, because I know a lot of people through, um, you know, the the job market has been really good, but then the flip side of that is COVID um, threw this huge demand in healthcare, and that's kind of come off now. So you do see some of the hospitals around the country um, doing layoffs. Um, You see some of that happening just because it's part of the ebb and flow. How, how do you think, I, when you talk about this, you talk about it um, as a positive end result, but I, I know people that might be listening that have gotten laid off. How did you, I know you said you you called the people who would first support you and trash the company. I assume <laughs> your second call was to the people who would say, Therese, let's get a grip. Yeah. Yeah, I waited to call those folks because, you know, I wasn't ready to hear that. Um, yeah. So I waited to call those folks. But yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, eventually you have to really stop and, and, and look at a few things. And to your point, right, look at what's happening around you. And what was happening around me was, you're right, there was this huge influx of, of needs. And a lot of these organizations, healthcare staffing, um, specifically over, you know, they overhired because they couldn't keep up with the needs, but eventually those needs started to decrease. And now we had this, you know, this workforce of people and we didn't have the business to really support that. Right. So, you know, that's kind of what's happening around. And then, you know, I think, especially for folks who are going through something like this right now, you know, and people have asked me this before, but it's an opportunity to just kind of just chill out for a second and, and, and really look at yourself. So that was another thing for me was that was an opportunity for me to take pause and say, okay, was there anything that I could have done differently? Do I feel like, you know, my performance in that organization was the best that it could be? Did I always present my best self? Was I always a team player? And quite honestly, Marcel, the answer was no. And so I think if, and that's, that's really hard. That's really, 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 really hard. Um, But I think that's an important step when you go through something like this, because it's important for you to do some reflection to determine, okay, you know, did I in some way contribute to me being one of the ones that they made, you know, they made the decision to let go, right? They didn't let go everybody, but somehow I, I, I was one of the ones. Um, and so I think that's a very first, it's a hard step, It's a but it's a crucial step because I think that is where you begin to, um, you know, grow and you begin to figure out, okay, so what can I do differently? What should I expect differently? Was I the right fit for this role? Was this organization the right fit for me? Um, you know, oftentimes, a lot of times we're guilty of taking jobs based solely on what? compensation. Right. right? Um, But, you know, maybe it doesn't align with all the things that that we want to do, or maybe we have a younger family and they're expecting us to work a lot more, whatever the story is. But, you know, self-reflection, I think, is a very first good step. And the second one is having that organization 
be one of two things, either your champion for the future or at the very least, you know, an organization that uh, will support you in the event of if you're needing, you know, references or referrals or things like that. A lot of times I see even now where, you know, I see a lot of public posting about layoffs and the companies and, and all the bad things and, and all those things. And, you know, just be really careful with that because, you know, you're taking it very personal. Oftentimes it's not. And at the end of the day, it's an organization that is trying to save the jobs of many. Um, and this was not about you specifically. So be very mindful of, you know, the words you choose and how you choose to communicate and try to keep that bridge because you just never know. And, and in healthcare, it's so huge, but it's so tiny. <laughs> it's so small. Yes, it really is. It really, really, really is. Uh people move around to different positions yes it really it really really is yeah you know i i think that's great advice especially if people are facing that and and i do think COVID, if it did anything for us it made people take a real hard look at what they wanted to do with their life and where they wanted to do that um, did you have any particular mentors along the way? I know you launched out and, and went out on your own yeah. in an entrepreneur kind of position. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty far cry from hospital administration. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Um. <laughs> it, it's yes, it definitely is. Um, so I had, I, I have been so lucky to have some really great mentors just throughout my career. Um, if, if I was thinking about mentors, I would say my very first the first mentor I could think of, she just, you know, she, her name's Stephanie Petrosky. Um, and she was just, she taught me grace in leadership. Um, mm-hmm. In everything she did, she did it with grace. And that was something that I always uh, latched on to. I, I just, I thought that was just so incredible about her because you always felt that no matter what was going on, how crazy it was, you mattered to her and she cared. And so I would say, and just even under pressure, she just, I know she just had this, this gift, this talent of just leadership, um, grace and leadership. I would say that, um, since I've started my business, I have probably three pretty important mentors to me and they've all taught me different things. And so I would say, um, uh, the first one would be Bob Livonius. Uh, he was one of the first people I called after I got laid off, um, you know, in tears, uh, not knowing which way was up. And he really didn't even know me that well, but I think I was just in a very vulnerable place and I, I struggled to keep it together, even though I was trying to, and I think he saw that. But what I learned from him um, was, regardless of what's thrown at you, um, if you have a strong work ethic, it'll be okay. Then I have Tom and, and Mark. So I have Tom Herb and Tom Herb is, he owns his own business as well. He's a CEO of Talent Resources. And what he really taught me was the business of the business. Um, and so he's been a very, just incredible mentor for me, teaching me all the things I didn't know I didn't know. Because a lot of times when you start off a business, <laughs> right, you're all about the passion and the excitement and you just want to get out there and you just want to go, yeah. right? And he forced me to kind of slow down a little bit. And, you know, he taught me things like, okay, well, what kind of business is this going to be? Is it, a, 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 you know, is it an S Corp? Is it an LLC? Like, you know, think about taxes. Are you paying yourself? What do you, and I'm like, what? What? I just want to get out there. What do you, what? Like, what is this? <laughs> um, 
So he taught me the business of the business. And then um, another mentor, I have so many, but my the last one I can think of is Mark Winter. Um, and he has really been uh, mentoring me. Even, even I still meet with him weekly on learning my own value. Wow. Learning and recognizing my own value in everything that I do. Because again, I, I tend to come from a place of um, being grateful, which is great. You should be grateful, but I'm always grateful for the opportunity. Grateful that you hired me. Grateful that you want to give me a testimonial. And, and I am grateful for all of those things. But what he's really pushing me to identify is that I bring value to the table. So this is not, you know, charity. This is not something that someone's just giving me a shot or giving me a chance. They're hiring me because of the fact that I um, have something that is of value to them and I am helping them improve and I'm helping them grow. So are these mentors, if you think about other people who might be listening that are starting their own uh, business, did you seek them out or were they just people you knew? Um, Are they people you're paying what advice yeah. would you give? To so I was seeking them out. And so my biggest advice that I can give to anyone who is, you know, thinking about starting their own business, or maybe you're in the thick of things right now, is find folks who are where you want to be. So find folks who are doing the things that you dream of doing, who just, they've, you know, they seem to have it together for the most part, but find the folks who are already doing it and just call them or email them or message them or something. But, and that requires a level of vulnerability on your part for sure, because you know, there's that fear of rejection and it might happen. I've gotten rejections for sure. Um, Well, that was my next question. Did you get a lot of no's in that? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. I got a lot of no's and I got a lot of, yes, I can help you for, you know, $500 an hour. Um, and so, but I reached out to people that I felt, um, you know, I could learn a lot from. And I also said to them, you know, I want to learn from you, but I also want to make sure that it's mutually beneficial. So if there's an opportunity for me to support you in some way, I I would love that opportunity. And I was lucky enough to have those, um, those gentlemen just say, no, absolutely. You know? And so, no, I don't pay anybody. Um, They are just, they just, they're just open with their knowledge and they want, they, you know, they genuinely want to see other people successful and grow. And that's, to me, um, just incredible. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have stumbled across them. <laughs> a huge part of that. Oh, yeah. You know, I want to back up and there's something you said that struck uh, very close to my heart. I, I always say there needs to be more caring in healthcare. Yeah. Healthcare seriously since the 80s has become a business and more and more so. And you know, unfortunately, we do have to think about dollars and cents sure. when you're doing your own business. You really have to think about yeah. that. But you got that impression when you were just 10 years old and the AIDS epidemic was a really hard time, you know, because it hit a particular group of people. Yeah. And then on top of that, we didn't have the answers. So the healthcare people are experimenting yeah. with how to treat 
people. Right. How do you think that you can help people um, in healthcare make sure there is that caring component, even at the administrative level where you have um, the dollar and cents people? Yeah. So one thing I've always done, you know, in my in my past life and in my new beginning um, is I always try to connect connect to patient care. So, you know, I work with healthcare staffing organizations and, you know, these are organizations that are very far removed on some level in terms of, you know, how their work impacts the bedside. And so I try to, you know, keep them connected through things like um, storytelling in terms of trying to get um, either testimonials or I share a lot of my own stories and how, their work has impacted me personally because I've been in that situation of having a child in a hospital and, and I just really try to connect the dots. And I think when you're on the administrative side, you don't see a lot of that. So an example of not seeing that would be, let's say, if you are a credentialing specialist who works from home in Grand Prairie, Texas, right? <laughs> and you're credentialing, I don't know, yeah, pediatric nurses or something, it's really hard to stay connected. But if you just kind of follow the breadcrumbs along the way, right? So, you know, I always say to folks that I work with, you know, when you're doing your job, I call them the, the, the heroes that nobody knows about, right? So mm -hmm. when, when there's a mom at a bedside with, in, with her child in the PICU unit and she's praying, she, what she's praying for is for you to actually you know, respect your role and, and care enough about what you're doing. She's praying that you are paying attention to the details. She's praying that you catch the things that you need to catch because you credential that pediatric nurse, that nurse goes into hospital A, but you, what you're doing is you're basically saying to that hospital that that nurse is qualified to now care for that woman's child. And that is an incredible thing to think that you have a hand in providing care for someone else and you've never met them. You'll never know them. They'll never know you, but you impacted someone's life by just mm -hmm. respecting your role enough, respecting what you do and, and caring and caring enough about what you do. So caring in healthcare does not need to be bedside. Caring in healthcare does mm -hmm. not need to be when you're in the pharmacy or you're in a hospital even. Caring in healthcare means I recognize how what I do, even if I'm sitting in my home office and wherever I am, I recognize the impact and the domino effect that what I do here, how it impacts others. Everybody, everybody has that ability. Everybody, everyone. Great words of wisdom. No, if you look back at your life, and I know you said you had a daughter. Yes, I have two of those. <laughs> So that's, that's your biggest job. If you were looking at a new generation of women and you were trying to say, here's the mistakes I made and here's some things I learned from, from those challenges, what would you say to them? How, if you had to start over and you said, here, here's the path I took, but here, here's a better path. What, yeah. what would you put on that path? So the first thing I would say is be kinder to yourself. Um, because I wasn't very kind to myself. Um, I, be kinder to yourself, but also more specifically, you don't have to be all the things. 
So women experience burnout at a significantly higher rate than their male counterparts in any industry, in any, anywhere that you look at in this country, women experience burnout at a higher rate. And I believe because I've studied it quite a bit, it's part of what I do, but I believe it's because we somehow along the way got that messaging that we needed to be all the things. And so that's probably the biggest thing that I would say is there, there is no need for you to be all the things. I don't know that there's, I don't know that I believe in this concept of work-life balance. I think that there will be times in your life where you have to give more to your work. And there are times in your life where you'll have to give more to your personal, but specifically, again, you don't have to be all the things. I always joke around and say like, you know, I'm the corporate lady. I'm bringing in, you know, six figures a year. I get home by five o'clock every day. I make everyone dinner from scratch. Everything's of course, gluten-free. I read all the kids' bedtime stories. I'm also a size two because I work out three times a day. My skin is flawless. My hair is always like perfect. And oh, and I'm the best wife ever. And I'm the best friend and I'm in the community. And I'm like, I'm just everything. Right. And so I think Somewhere along the way, we got so a lot of us got that messaging that in order to be worthy of respect and love, we had to be all those things, and that's just that that's impossible. Um, and so, you know, that would be a big thing for me would just be to say, you know, find whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever that looks like. You know, pour your energy into that know that things happen along the way, know that you have to be flexible, know that it's great to have a plan, but always have a plan for the unplanned. Um, and just remember always that who you are is exactly what is needed always. So you don't have to be more than who you are. Always have a plan for the unplanned. That is, <laughs> that is the ultimate of a wife and mother and worker and all of the above. Yeah. I saw a crazy little movie last night and I can't remember the name of it. It's like, hello, God, I'm Margaret or some, it's a goofy, goofy little movie. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. But it, it does talk a little bit about, you know, the female challenge of wanting, always wanting things that you don't really have. Um, yeah. And then trying to be, everything to everyone um, which yeah. is <laughs> it will make a very tired girl it will and and what will happen is it'll make a very unhappy 40 something year old which is what i was for a, a few years um mm -hmm. because you feel despite all the things you did you feel like a failure yeah you yep. know because you're not hitting all the boxes all the time and <laughs> so you know and the other thing I try to do, especially with my girls is it's, I go back to messaging and it's about the messages that you give, um, intentionally and unintentionally. And you know, my kids, they're paying attention, right? Uh -huh. They're watching you. They hear what you say. They hear, they see what you do. Um, but they hear what you say about yourself. And so be very careful about the unintentional messages that you're giving other women, especially younger women and girls, because, you know, I can say, guys, you know, girls, I, you're, you're intelligent, you know, you know, it's all about work ethic and blah, blah, blah. And then 
I, they walk in on me in the bathroom and they hear me saying, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And you know, oh my gosh, look at my yeah. skin. I need to put on eight layers of foundation because I have this one dark spot here. Um, so you have to be very careful with your messaging, um, especially what you're saying about yourself, because it, you know, that's what they're paying attention to. And, and that's what they're going to model, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it, all of that is a hard thing. Um, learning to love ourselves and accepting oh, yeah. ourselves for what we are, and yet teaching them how to strive to be better. There's there's, there's a, a huge balance, um, yeah. you know, in that in in that whole entire thing. By the way, I think you have beautiful skin. I know <laughs> our audience cannot see you, but you have beautiful skin. So you. Um, <laughs> Let me say that. Um, um, you know, I always try to like sum up with uh, books or podcasts or things you're learning from. Do you have any you'd like to suggest to the audience? I would say that. So what I'm reading right now is Abundance Now, hmm. and that's by Lisa Nichols. It's a book about kind of what you were talking about, you know, kind of accepting who you are now but it's okay to want more and just kind of like, how do you train yourself to do that? How do you shift your mentality from this kind of scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality? And that's definitely something I've had to work on. You know, I tended, I tended, I said that I was a realist, but I was probably more of a pessimist because I always tended to, I could instantly know how things were going to fall apart and go wrong, you know, regardless of the situation I could tell, I could tell you in an instant, and because I was, I always had this fear of um, things falling apart. And so, you know, what I'm working on right now is my mindset shift to um, having more of an abundant um, perspective. And so that's, that's a book that I'm reading right now. It's actually on my nightstand right now. And she's just an incredible writer and speaker. And, you know, her stories, essentially, she, you know, came from like single mom on food stamps to multi-million dollar entrepreneur. But, you know, she didn't do it overnight. She didn't do it, you know, by getting a lucky break. She did it through hard work and this uh -huh. just ridiculous belief in herself and her abilities. And so um, she's just an incredible person. So that's the book that I'm reading right now. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I always tell people, um, and I don't know many people who just inherited their wealth, but all the people <laughs> I know who have some kind uh, worked really hard. Um, yes. They worked really hard and they tried to make good decisions and they came out on the end of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not an easy life, but it can be a really, as you said in the beginning, a fun life. So well, fun. Therese, it, it's been a delight to get to visit with you. I always enjoy knowing someone is just not too far from where I live since I live up north in kind of the Denton area now. Um, but uh, it's been just a delight to spend the last few minutes with you. And I know that your audience, the audience is going to really enjoy listening to you. How can people get a hold of you if they if they want to partake in in your program? Uh, yeah, so um, you can reach me via my website, theresegr.com, and that's T-H-E-R-E-S-E-G-R.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, um, and it's just my 
full long name, Therese Gopal Robinson on LinkedIn and also on Instagram, the same thing, full long name. And they can reach out to me um, on either of those social media channels or via my website. Perfect. Well, thank you for all the work you're doing with healthcare people and 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 for just women in general, with especially raising your daughters. Yeah, uh, you. So it's been a wonderful time to have you on Fifty Percent with Marcel Combs. And thank with you that, so much, you're you. welcome. Thank you.